we're analyzing PepsiCo stock ticker PEP to see if this great business is on sale. This analysis is just over 10 minutes long. It's going to be intense, but it's going to be worth it. We're using the select six analysis to look at the most telling financial metrics before estimating a fair value for Pepsi. Then we're giving a final rating to the business. There will be a key bonus metric along the way that just might be the tipping point when analyzing Pepsi for your stock portfolio. Before we get into these valuable metrics, let's understand Pepsi's stock performance. Right now, Pepsi trades for $186.58 per share. Year to date, their stock price is up 4%. In the last five years, Pepsi's compounding at 11% annually. In the last decade, they're compounding at just under 9% annually. Going back prior to the global financial crisis, in the last 18 and a half years, Pepsi's stock price is compounding at 7% annually. Pepsi is a newly crowned dividend king. They've grown their dividend payouts for each of the last 50 years. Right now, Pepsi pays an above average 2.53% dividend yield. Their average dividend yield throughout this time frame is in addition to their returns in their stock price. Pepsi trades $10 below their 52-week high. They're up $25 from their 52-week lows. Just under 1% of their shares are sold short. Pepsi is a huge business. They have a $257 billion market cap. But the burning question is, why should we be paying close attention to PepsiCo? PepsiCo is a global leader in snacks and beverages, owning well-known household brands including Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Gatorade, Lay's, Cheetos, and Doritos, among others. The company dominates the global savory snacks market and also ranks as the second largest beverage provider in the world behind Coca-Cola. Pepsi has diversified exposure to carbonated soft drinks as well as water, sports, and energy offerings. Convenience foods account account for 55% of its total revenue, with beverages making up the rest. Pepsi owns the bulk of its manufacturing and distribution capacity in the United States and overseas. International markets make up 40% of total sales and one-third of operating profits. With that understanding of Pepsi, let's get into the numbers. Starting with metric number one, we want Pepsi's average return on capital in the last five years to be above 14%. The average business earns about 7% returns on capital. Looking for a benchmark that's double this can build in margin of safety based off the quality of the business. Pepsi's earned above average returns on capital in all five of these years. They declined slightly year over year from 2019 until 2020. Since 2020, they've been increasing again. When we average these out, in a given year, Pepsi earns 19.3% average returns on capital. These returns are two and a half times better than a typical business. This is a big check on metric number one for Pepsi. Metric number two, we're looking for growth to go along with these high returns on capital. We want to see five-year revenue, net income, and free cash flow growth. All of these have to be up for this to be a check. This is all or nothing. We'll be including Pepsi's numbers up until today when we calculate their growth here. During this time, Pepsi's grown their revenues by 36%. At the same time, up until today, their net incomes or their earnings have nearly fallen in half. This is due to an income tax credit that Pepsi got in 2018, where in the other years they've been paying income tax. From getting the credit to paying this tax, this is about a $5 billion swing. However, even still the company's net incomes would be down. Pepsi's free cash flows have also declined by 13%, meaning this is an X on metric number two. Metric number three, we're looking at Pepsi from the view of an individual shareholder. We want to see earnings per share growth in the last five years. We just learned their earnings are down due to this change in their income tax. In the last five years, Pepsi's also bought back 3% of their shares. These small share buybacks would be opposed to their earnings decline. Still, 
of their decline in their earnings, even when we normalize for this income tax swing, is going to outpace their buybacks, meaning their earnings per share are down over this time. This is an X on metric number three. Metric number four, we're looking for something similar. We want to see free cash flow per share growth in the last five years. Almost the same situation as their earnings per share. Because their free cash flows have declined by 13%, those declines are outpacing their share buybacks, meaning PepsiCo's free cash flows per share are down over this time. This is an X on metric number four. So far through our first four metrics, after starting off hot, we have one check and three X's for Pepsi. During recessions, it's overly levered businesses that are at the greatest risk of losses. In metric number five, we want Pepsi's net debt, which is their total debt minus their cash and their short-term investments, to be below the sum of the free cash flows they produced in their last five years. Right now, Pepsi has over $36 billion in net debt. That's been about their debt position since 2020. In the last five years, Pepsi's generated $30.5 billion worth of free cash flow. While that's a lot of cash flow that's coming in below Pepsi's net debt position, meaning this is an X on metric number five, Pepsi's using more debt than their free cash flow generation supports. This is in sharp contrast to Coca-Cola, Pepsi's main competitor, which generates a lot of free cash flow relative to the debt Coca-Cola uses in their business. Given Pepsi's strong consumer brands, this may not be as much of an issue as it would be for some other businesses in different industries. However, this is still something you want to be mindful of. Again, this is an X on metric number five. Before we get into our valuation methods for Pepsi, it's time for our bonus. As our bonus, we're looking at PepsiCo's dividend profile. Right now, Pepsi pays a 2.53% dividend yield. Not only do they have an above average dividend yield, they're a newly minted dividend king. They've grown their dividends for each of the last 50 years, but we're looking at the company to see if its dividends are supported by its cash flows. In four of the last five years, PepsiCo has supported their dividends using their cash flows. However, in their last fiscal year, this was not the case. Even still, Pepsi grew their dividend by a large amount as their cash flows declined and they weren't able to support this full dividend yield. This is a potential concern as it calls into question the sustainability sustainability of Pepsi's dividend growth. While this is a snapshot of their last five years and it's no guarantee for the future, you need to understand where Pepsi's cash flows are at if their dividend payouts are part of your consideration in looking at the business. This is an X on our bonus. The big metric of them all, metric number six, we want Pepsi's average five-year free cash flow divided by their enterprise value to give us a yield that's above 5%. If this is the case, this gives a slight risk premium to the yield of the 10-year treasury. It's the first of two different ways we're estimating a fair value for Pepsi. Right now, Pepsi has a $294 billion enterprise value. This accounts for both their market cap and their net debt position. It gives a look at Pepsi similar to it being a private company. We learned in the last five years, Pepsi's produced 30 and a half billion dollars worth of free cash flow, meaning in an average year, they produce about $6.1 billion of free cash flow. When that's divided by their $294 billion enterprise value, we get about a 2.1% average free cash flow to enterprise value yield. On a current basis, Pepsi produced $5.3 billion of free cash flow in their last 12 months. When that's divided by their enterprise value, we get a 1.8% current free cash flow to enterprise value yield average free cash flow to enterprise value yield. Both of these are coming in below the yield of the 10-year treasury, meaning they're also down from that risk premium. Metric number six is an X here for Pepsi, but don't just throw the business out. We still need to estimate Pepsi's fair value per share. 
Everything we've discussed so far is important, but there's something missing that in my opinion is the main reason to analyze Pepsi, which takes us on to using a discounted cash flow model to come to an estimate of their fair value per share. A DCF model is based off the predictability of a company's free cash flows. Like any model in any discipline, its outputs are sensitive to its inputs. We're starting with an average of Pepsi's last three fiscal years worth of free cash flow, then using historical assumptions to grow these into the future. It's up to you to figure out if these will be accurate or not for Pepsi, assuming they grow their average three-year free cash flows at a rate of 6% annually for the next 10 years. Then in the following decade, assuming these grow at 4% annually, we won't be adding in Pepsi's tangible book value as that's skewed based off how the accounting is done for their share buybacks over the years. If we want a 15% rate of return, which is what Warren Buffett looks for from his investments, at today's valuation multiples, assuming these are the same in 20 years, an estimate of Pepsi's fair value per share is around $42. That's down a lot from their current stock price. There are key points to keep in mind. Pepsi's been a modestly predictable business in its past. That affects our assumptions here and could skew this into the future for the business. This discount rate is an estimate of total returns to shareholders based on their free cash flows. It already includes Pepsi's dividend yield. Again, their tangible book value may not be accurate due to their accounting. Pepsi stock may have extra value here. These returns would far outpace how Pepsi has performed over the last several decades. Most importantly, this analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. Consult with the financial advisor before making any investment decision. In just a minute, we'll give our final rating to Pepsi, but we have to address something first. We've covered the numbers, but the qualitative factors of Pepsi may be even more important. What are they? Well, let's find out. Looking at the factors supporting a long thesis, number one, despite its close relationships with brick and mortar retailers, PepsiCo has invested in omni-channel capabilities and a digitally enhanced supply chain that positions the firm for further growth even as consumer shopping patterns bifurcate farther. Number two, even as carbonated soft drink volumes wane in mature markets, the diversity of Pepsi's beverage portfolio should offer growth opportunities in both developed and emerging markets. Number three, demographic and lifestyle shifts could further fuel snack consumption globally beyond expectations. But we'd be remiss if we didn't cover the negative aspects of Pepsi as well. Looking at the factors supporting a short thesis, number one, the shortage of bottlers with sufficient scale and experience in international markets can continue to handicap PepsiCo's efforts to narrow the gap with rival Coca-Cola. Number two, integration of acquisitions in regions that PepsiCo has less experience in, such as Africa, may distract management's attention from its long-term strategic course. Number Number three, shifting consumer preference to healthier snacks and beverages may impede the firm's ability to pass on higher cost and price increases, thus weighing on margins and returns. There you have it for a balanced perspective of some of the qualitative factors of Pepsi. Now it's time for our rating. In analyzing PepsiCo's stock ticker PEP, while the company has grown their revenues and they have high returns on capital, their earnings and their free cash flows are down. Pepsi's bought back a small amount of shares. It looks like they're using a lot of debt compared to the cash flows they're generating. Pepsi's business performance legs its main peer Coca-Cola. Even though Pepsi's a recent dividend king, they haven't supported their dividends using their cash flows in their last fiscal year. Their free cash flows would need to increase a lot for this to change and for Pepsi to continue their dividend growth. Again, this is not financial advice. 
Pepsi's free cash flow to enterprise value yields don't look attractive compared to the yield of the 10-year treasury. When we performed our discounted cash flow analysis, if Pepsi's valuation multiples stay the same, you believe those assumptions and you want a 15% rate of return, an estimate of Pepsi's fair value per share is around $42. That's below where Pepsi's traded at in their last two decades. If you want those returns, you really need to be patient. Looking at all the factors of our analysis, Pepsi looks like a modest candidate for further research. If you enjoyed the video, be sure to like the video subscribe to the channel for more stock analysis videos, share your thoughts about Pepsi, and let me know what business to look at next in the comments below. Thanks for learning about PepsiCo with me, and have a great day.